Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Utica, Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Marias. And Shaq, it's going down this Friday. Two of the top Bantamweight contenders uh, fighting for a title shot here in New York. Yeah, we, you know, we've been high on Jimmy uh, El Terra Rivera for a long time. And Marais, you know, he's earned a spot in the company, so it's going to be a great fight. I think the winner, you know, is right there in line for a title shot. And Jimmy Rivera wins a lot of fights, and Marais has been uh, making a lot of noise since he came to the UFC. One doesn't simply go 21-1 and one in professional mixed martial arts, and that's exactly what Jimmy Rivera is doing. Everyone that's been listening to the show for a while knows I've been calling him a future top five guy, potentially a future world champion since before he was even ranked, and now he gets that chance. So it all comes down to this matchup Friday with uh, Marlon, who is an extremely tough competitor, Shaq. Yeah, Marlon's put a guy on a stretcher before, so you know he has put men, uh, several men down, but Jimmy, uh, we know the type of speed my boy Jimmy operates on. Huh? Marlon uh, changes lives is all is all I gotta say. You know what I'm saying? So well, not really, because the kid came back and won his next fight. So, but it turns out uh, <laughs> the Welshman was a fraud after all, huh? <laughs> but you know, props to Aljamain for bouncing back. And uh, man, I can't wait to talk about this main event because, I mean, it's a pick 'em for a reason. It's truly gonna be electric, and this whole card is uh, flying under the radar. So we're gonna get down to business here in a sec. Just gotta let them know. You know, if you didn't check out that recap show, cash the fourth uh, max bet in a row. Now 8-0 on consensus max bets on the year. And this time, uh, it was my boy Carlo Petrosali making his UFC debut. You know, they opened at minus 210. We hit at minus 160. And uh, he went out there and took care of Brad Scott. Now we got another max bet this Friday. And all I got to say is the payout for this max bet is the biggest payout we've had all year for any of our max bets, Shaq. Yeah, Max Bet Susan was in full effect down there on Friday uh, in Utica, New York. When we say it's Max Bet season, it's time to get the money out. It's time to capitalize on these opportunities that we've been talking about. I mean, these opportunities uh, prove to pay out time in and time out. So it's uh, time to stop hesitating and hop on board. Hit us at that email, bestfivepicks at gmail.com, and let's start winning today. That's right. Now, first up, in the flyweight division, we got Jose Shorty Torres. He's minus 175. The comeback on Jared Brooks is plus 155. Now, man, Shorty Torres is finally making his UFC debut. I mean, I've had this kid on half the battle back when he was 0-0, you know, because he went 25-1 as an amateur. Now 7-0 as a professional. He's won belts in two different weight classes on the regional scene. And we were wondering, is this kid ever going to get that UFC call? Because a lot of people don't know, some behind-the-scenes stuff went down. And he got offered a shot on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender. He actually turned it down, and he told me why on half the battle. He said that, you know, even if I win that fight, there's no guarantee that they're impressed enough to sign me. So he actually turned it down. He wanted to work his way up. He worked his way up. He got the short-notice call. Now he's taking on the very tough wrestler, Jared Brooks. Who you got in this one? Yeah, Shorty Torres has been long overdue. I think he's uh, got a very serious pace, good cardio. You know, he tends to get dropped in the beginning of each of his fights. Um, I've seen him get taken down as well, but I can tell that uh, it really doesn't matter, especially in this matchup, because Brooks is more of, you know, a wrestler, kind of one-dimensional, likes to move away on the feet. But his wrestling is world-class. I mean, this ain't just no normal wrestling. This is world-class wrestling. This is, you know, USA you know, world championship level wrestling. And I mean, we saw his fight against Davison Alcantara, who we're super high on. Davison's a top 15 guy right now. To be honest, I thought Brooks won that fight. He dumped Davison eight times, outstruck him on the feet as well. I mean, I thought he won that fight. So it's really funny because now Shorty Torres has got the hype now. But if Brooks would have won that fight, if that fight was anywhere else, Brooks would be the undefeated guy. So, uh, you know, it's a tough fight. 
I could see uh, being a case of Brooks. You know, he's a natural star weight. You know, if he spends too much time trying to take him down and they get back out in space, you know, he might get uh, outpointed for a decision or finished. But I'm not convinced Shorty Torres going to handle this type of, you know, world-class wrestling. So I'm going to take the uh, underdog in Jared Brooks. And I think, uh, you know, the experience is going to play out here. And I think uh, he avoids the punches on the feet and ties up. Because, I mean, he can wrestle all day, so I'll take Brooks. Look, I think it's going to be a very close fight. I think that each fighter does certain things very well, and they also have their flaws just like anyone on the UFC roster. For Brooks, the flaw you know, seems to be the gas tank because he is a very small flyweight. I mean, this is a guy, if they had a strawweight division for men, you could see my boy Jared Brooks in there. And, you know, when you're taking these guys down, when you're so explosive, sometimes you're not going to have that same amount of cardio in that third round. And you start to gas out against a guy like Jose Shorty Torres, he will tee off on you. And on the flip side, Shorty Torres gets dropped almost every single fight. The thing is, I'm not really worried about Jared Brooks' power. So this might be the first time in a while where uh, Shorty Torres doesn't have to weather an early storm. But I think the first round, Jared is going to be able to take him down. Second round is going to be a little bit closer. It's going to be one-to-one heading into the third. And I think the gas tank of Shorty Torres is going to be the difference in that third round. And I think he's going to go out there and win a decision. So I do have the newcomer on short notice, Jose Shorty Torres, to finally get his arm raised inside the UFC's octagon. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got the newcomer, Nathaniel Wood. He's minus 290. The comeback on Johnny Eduardo, Coach Johnny, is plus 245. Now, shout out to my boy, Coach Johnny, on cashing that plus 800 versus Eddie Wyland back in the day. I know you remember that. And, you know, the Novo and Yao guys, you know, back when they were in their element, back when they were in their prime, no one could fuck with those dudes. No one could take those guys down, the leg kicks, the combinations, but... As you know, Shaq, it's a new era of the sport now. And this kid, Nathaniel Wood, is the future. I mean, they call him the prospect for a reason, but pretty sure he's not going to be a, pretty soon he's not going to be a prospect anymore. He's going to be a contender. The question is, you know for a fact these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls. So with a minus 290 price tag next to Nathaniel Wood, you think he's going to knock out uh, the vet, Johnny Eduardo? You know, it's a, it's a good fight. You know, um, when you got this type of how you know wide the line is and for a debut guy you know this guy uh, better be coming out here and taking business out you know in the first round Johnny Eduardo you know he's that Nova and Yaga, Nova and Yaga guy and you know how we our opinions on the Nova guys when was the last time one of them looked good I mean I'm talking about the core Nova and Yaga guys we, we ain't talking Leo Santos a no, hundred years no, ago no, right no, we're talking about Jose Hennon Johnny Talis uh you know um the uh, Hakran Diaz, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the core Nova and Yaga guys, they're getting old. And, you know, I'm not confident that Johnny can take a punch these days. I mean, you saw his fight with Lopez. He ate, took one shot and rolled for a leg lock. His fight before that, he got schooled by, or, you know, Manny Gambirian. Oh, man, who hasn't beaten Manny Gambirian, you know what I'm saying? So I like Wood here. You know, may, is the line a little too wide? Maybe because, I mean, he is going to give Johnny uh, every chance to win this fight. They're going to stand in front of each other and trade punches. And Johnny still hits hard. So if Wood gets cracked and he goes down, you know, uh, that's on him. But, you know, he has technically been knocked down once, even though he really didn't get knocked out. It was a uh, cut stoppage. But I like Wood here. I just don't think Eduardo can uh, take a punch. And uh, I think uh, things might be looking it's like it's going Eduardo's way until he falls down. Yeah, the thing with a guy like Wood is he's so young. I believe he's only 23 years old. So you're gonna be you're gonna be seeing massive improvements every single time he steps in there. And you know, you take a quick glance at his record, you see that he has that one TKO loss, and you think, oh, so he can be caught too. You go back and watch that fight. 
he was never TKO. They were just kind of worried that the young boy uh, had a broken nose and they stopped the fight. And he was furious. That shows the kind of fighting spirit this guy has. Because with other people, you know, if uh, the ref stops the fight, you know, they might, you know, take a seat on that stool and accept defeat. With Nathaniel Wood, there was none of that. He was like, are you serious? I want to keep fighting because he truly believed that he could go out there and win that fight. Now with Johnny Eduardo, like you said, it, they're gonna stand and bang until one man falls, and that's the bottom line. I have to, I have to side with the durability of Nathaniel Wood, just because. Look, Johnny Eduardo's past that ten year mark, dude. I mean, he's been fighting since fucking. He's past the, <laughs> he's past the fifteen year mark. You know what I mean? That expiration date has a. Uh, has long passed, and much respect to Coach Johnny. You know, always tip my my hat off to a guy like that. But I think Nathaniel Wood comes out here and knocks him out with punches. Now, next up in uh the women's strawweight division, we got Jessica Aguilar. She's minus one thirty. The comeback on Jody Escabel is plus one ten. Now, I remember when Jessica Aguilar was once considered to be the number one strawweight on planet Earth. And uh, she came into the UFC. Things haven't quite materialized, but now she's got a chance against Jody Escabel to get her first UFC win. You think she does it? Yeah, I think those days of her being the best strawweight in the world are over with. I think she's from the Stone Age of uh, females MMA. I think her game isn't going to work anymore in the strawweight division. You know, Jody uh, has an ugly record, but I think if you really look into that record, you know, I, I see that uh, she's able to stuff the takedowns and, uh, you know, win this fight on points and, you know, uh, really, you know, have her way with Aguilar, you know, in the pocket boxing. I don't think Aguilar is developed. I think, like I said, Stone Age MMA times, and I think uh, Escobel takes a decision here. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I mean, I, I feel like, uh, you know, when Jessica Aguilar came to the UFC, I mean, she was already way past her prime. And, you know, a, a lot of people consider Joanna and Jacek to be the greatest strawweight of all time because they never even heard of Aguilar. That's how long ago she was fighting. You know, if we call Ronda Rousey the Hoist Gracie of women's MMA, then what are we going to call Jessica Aguilar? Because she was from the pre-Ronda Rousey Stone Ages of women's MMA. I don't even want to sit here and say Hickson because I feel like that'd be too much of a compliment. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Cause my, you know my boy. You, say, you know you know the kind of numbers my boy Hickson put up back in the day. So whatever, whatever I'm trying to say here is that Jessica Aguilar comes from an era where, you know, Lisa Ellis and Angela Magana were the top dogs, okay? So I don't think that's going to cut it in this day and age of the UFC. And I think Jody Escobel, even though, you know, I don't I, I don't know what her career tra uh, trajectory is going to be, but I think she's got enough to go out there and win this fight. It's simply a new school versus old school. So I got Jody Escobel via unanimous decision. Now next up in the lightweight division, we got Desmond the Predator Green. He's minus 300. The comeback on Glayson T. Bow is plus 250. Now, if my boy T. Bow didn't have the result he had his last fight. I think this line would be a little bit different. Don't you, Shaq? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with this fight, it's kind of hard to say because I wish the fight would have went a little longer so we could see what T-Bow really had. I don't know if T-Bow can still tie up. I don't know if he, uh, you know, I'm sure he still can. He's a black belt. Of course he can still tie up. So, you know, Des Green... Uh, I would kind of put him in an underachiever type of category. I mean, I think he's a lot better than uh, what he performs at and, uh, you know, some of his losses. And uh, But I think he's going to come out here and get the job done, whether it's uh, whether it goes three rounds or whether it uh, is a knockout. I just don't think uh, T-Bow, you know, that, that layoff, the no more uh, Brazilian lava, you know, no more Brazilian needles anymore. I think uh, he's had enough. And, you know, I think Des Green, if he doesn't get a knockout, things could get a little hairy because, I mean, we know how his history is going the distance. But I think ultimately he'll pull it. Yeah, you know, T-Bow coming off that two to three lay, two to three year layoff and the USADA suspension, he goes in there with Islam Makhachev. Now, 
what I want to know is, is that an indicator of things to come? Is it going to be now, you know, from now on, as soon as he takes a punch, he's going to go out cold, hit that head on the canvas? Or was it simply uh, Islam's night that night? You know what I mean? Because that could be a sign of things to come. You know, when they start getting knocked out like that, that was a scary knockout. It doesn't get any better. And then you compare his physique in the Islam fight compared to the Abel Trujillo fight, and he just looks like an old man now. So this actually is a spot where Desmond Green can come out and get a rare finish because, you know, Desmond Green is known for going to decision. Now, that being said, if I'm wrong about my assessment of Glayson Tebow, you know, being at that point where one punch will put him out cold and he still is able to get into, you know, a tie-up fest, shit could get hairy. If we're, if we're, Promise the old T-Bow, he can come out here and win a split, but we're not promised that at all. I know Des Green is in great shape. Some of his training partners have told me this is the best Des Green they've ever seen. So with that being said, I'm going to go with Des Green, and I actually do think that he gets a knockout here. So we'll see what happens. Now next up in the welterweight division, we got Bilal, remember the name Muhammad. He's minus 400. The comeback on the new guy, Chance Recountre is plus 325. Now, I, 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 I took a second to check out the new guy, Chance, and, you know, he's six foot two. He's long for the weight class. He's a southpaw. I will say this. He's better than the guy they brought in to lose to Neil Magny, but he's no Alex Hernandez, Shaq. Yeah, you know, Bilal will take this fight. I actually think there's value on him at minus 400. You know, Chance, will, he'll go on, uh, you know, have a fight with Craig White or something. You know, he'll, he might want to fight, but not this one. I just think uh, Bilal's, you know, getting better and better each fight he's learned from his losses. I mean, his fight with Tim Means, he beat Tim Means at a hand-fighting game and beat him everywhere. So I think uh, that's the level Bilal's on. I mean, this kid Chance, he's got a puncher's chance, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, chance the puncher's <laughs> chance wreck on Trey. You know what I'm saying? So you know he he does train out a he does train out alliance, but I don't think he's ready for this, and I think you know he'll be back after this. Yeah, you know, props to him for being a man and stepping up on short notice and being willing to fight Bilal Muhammad. You know, Bilal Muhammad, he's such a badass. You know, we don't even need to talk about the Ramadan. Bilal had to fight Drew Ban to get in, you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, we don't even need to talk about the Ramadan stuff, but I just want to bring it up to say how much of a badass this guy is that, you know, he can't eat until uh, sundown, right? And, and he's still coming in there training hard, making no excuses, going out there and being the absolute warrior he is. And, you know, and he's a guy that's paid his dues, not just in the UFC, but on, on the regional scene as well. I mean, I know you remember that fight with Steve Carl where he absolutely butchered him. I remember, I know you remember that fight where he beat the shit out of Chris Curtis. Then he gets the UFC call. He goes in there with Juban, gets a fight of the night. And, uh, you know, he beat. Augusto Montano comes back, gets stopped by Vicente Luque. Now, when a lot of people get stopped by Vicente Luque, they never come back the same. With Bilal Muhammad, he put his head down, he grinded, he put together a three-fight win streak over some notable competition. I mean, he beat Randy Brown, he beat Jordan Meehan, and most recently, he beat Tim Means at his own game. So, man, I think... Uh, I think I like his jab. I like his leg kicks. I like it when he swings big bombs. I think he's got an answer for uh, Chance here, and I think he's going to take care of Biz, as the minus 400 uh, prize tag indicates. And next up in the lightweight division, we got David Taymor. He's minus 280. The comeback on Nick the Carney Lentz is plus 240. Now, I remember last time Nick Lentz was a huge underdog. He went out there and finished the fight. You think he's going to repeat history here? Man, um... You know, I've been liking Taymor's performances at 155, the Lando fight, the Jakar fight. I like how he stays in his, you know, Muay Thai base and doesn't, you know, 
trade wild or, you know, engage in anything stupid. You know, Lentz is a tough vet. Lentz actually wins a lot of fights. He's 12-5. and five. Um, You know, he's a D1 wrestler, but, you know, he's the, one of the D1 wrestlers that likes to, you know, go to his back a lot because he loves that guillotine. And you got to respect that guillotine. He's put several guys away with it. So, you know, I think as long as Tamor stays out of the guillotine, I, I expect him to win this on points. I just think his technique's too clean out in space. But, uh, you know, Lentz is a tough vet, and he's got a good, a solid chin. So, And he's looking the best shape he's uh, ever had, but I think he's just going to be a step behind. I think the worst-case scenario is a close decision, but I see that going uh, Tamor's way. I don't see Lentz getting offensive takedowns. Uh, I just think uh, Tamor needs to stay out the guillotine. I think I got Tamor as well. It all depends on him having one of those disciplined stand-up performances. You know, he's a guy that he's not going to just come out there and swing big bombs first. He's going to try to read you, see what you do. And a guy like Nick Lenz, you don't count a guy like that out, especially since he moved up to 55. You know, he was having a lot of issues at 45 with the weight cut. I know my boy Dolce completely fucked up his body. But now that he's up at 55, I mean, you saw him go out there. I know Will Brooks is Will Brooks, but hey, he still went out there and finished him as a massive underdog. So now he's got the chance with Timor and Timor uh is we're either gonna find out if he's the real deal or not right here because you know he's only four known in the UFC he hasn't really fought that high of a level of competition yeah he beat Lando he beat Drakkar but I mean these are guys with under five UFC fights Shaq now we're dealing with a guy with Lance he's got 12 wins inside the UFC's octagon so this would literally be the biggest win of David Timor's uh career if he can pull it off and Nick Lance is a very crafty vet he's a guy that I don't like having action against because he seems to find a way from time to time, and he might be the guy to hand David Timor his first loss. But that said, I am impressed with the poise and the discipline of David Timor's striking style, and I think he outpoints Nick Lentz to a three-round decision. So I am going to go with David Timor here. Now, next up, we got Sajara Eubanks. She's minus 170. The comeback on Lauren Murphy is plus 150. Now, these two didn't like each other on tough. I doubt they like each other now. But we got a two and two fighter versus uh, what's Lauren Murphy's record like eight and three or some shit? You know what I'm saying? So on paper it's not looking good, but the two and two fighter is the minus one seventy favorite here, Shaq. So what's your opinion on the matchup? Yeah, you know, uh, Sajara. I've uh, I like Sajara. She's got a lot of good skills. She's real strong. I think she's a little bit stiff and slow. You know, trading punches, but she seems very determined and strong willed and. You know, uh, you know her two losses. I think she in some cases, you know, getting rushed up. She had to fight Chukagi and Ann Aspen Ladd early, and both those girls. I mean, we are top ten chicks. You know what I'm saying? So I think uh, the two and two is definitely misleading. I mean, Rose Namajunas was once two and two. You know what I'm saying? So um, th that's common in the female game. Murphy, Murphy actually, you know, earned my respect her last fight against Hanchak. You know, I haven't really been high on Murphy in the past, but when I really look back at it, who's had an easy Lauren Murphy fight? Because all her fights are split decision, or you know. You know, they're very back and forth. So it's going to be a tough fight, in my opinion. Minus 170, I think it should be more of a pick -em, to be honest. I am going to take Sajara. I think she's the more strong-willed fighter, the fighter that uh, will exceed in the tougher moments. You know, I think Barb, ha Barb Honchak's a case of, you know, she's old. She uh, wilted under the pressure of Murphy. but Barb Honchak lost to Angela Magana. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? So um, I just think... Uh, Murphy's going to be a step behind. I do think she's going to fight well. I think it's going to be close, but I think uh, Eubanks will win a split decision. But I wouldn't be shocked if Murphy pulled it off. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% conv convinced that Shajar is ready for uh, Lauren Murphy, even though Lauren Murphy's a 500 UFC fighter. She's very experienced. Less than 500. Yeah, less than 500. She's very experienced, and she's been in a. She's experienced everything there is to experience in that octagon. And in life too, Shaq. <laughs> but uh, that being said, man, you know, Sajara does struggle with the weight cut. I hope she got those things in order. 
And I mean, she should. I mean, she used to train at the same camp as Vic. And, you know, if that guy can make 55, you should be able to make your weight class. But she actually moved her camp to Mark Henry. So Sajara is training with the same coach as Frankie Edgar. And for some people, I think that's a good move. I'm not sure if that's a good move for Sajara because with her style, she likes to overpower these girls and, you know, grind them down. And I've also seen her knock people out, too. You remember when she knocked out Deanna Bennett with that head kick? Very, very vicious. So with Lauren Murphy, you know, she's as experienced as they come, but she seems to always find a way to lose inside the UFC's octagon, for the most part, at least, unless she's fighting, you know, 50-year-old Barb Honchak, who lost to Angela Magana, and that's not the case here, so... Uh, Barb Honchak beat Jillian Robertson. And we, we, we don't talk about that around here. <laughs> <laughs> she finished Jillian Robertson? <laughs> so, I'm gonna go with Sajara Eubanks, but, you know, I'd recommend not, you know, don't bet the house on a two-and-two two fighter, is all I gotta say. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Sam Alves, minus 140, the comeback on Jean Volante, or as we like to say in Brazil, Jean Volante is plus 120. Who you got? You know, this is a uh, tough fight because I'm a, I've always said Alves very easy to beat on points, and uh, anytime you get a smart, educated, you know, fighter that can stick to the game plan, you know, he'll do that, but... When I think of Valencia, I think of Meathead. I think of Idiot. I think of... You don't you know, think of smart, educated <laughs> fighter, huh? <laughs> That's the last thing I think of when I, you know, I think of John Valencia. So, you know, this is a guy that, uh, you know, when he fought Tom Lawler the first round, I mean, John, you're walking into a right hook every single time, like... Then he guess what he comes out and does in the second round? Oh, he gets knocked out by a right hook. You know what I'm saying? And then when he, I mean, the guy lost a decision to Pat Cummins. He got outstruck by Pat Cummins. Hey, Pat, Pat Cummins beat Jan Blakovich, bro. <laughs> You know, Jan was going through some uh, health issues at the time. <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't have his steroids. But, um, and, you know, uh, even when he does do good, you know, his fights with Corey Anderson, a lot of people don't know is Corey Anderson was up on two judges' scorecards, two zip, even with all the leg kicks. Even the Bohozo fight where, you know, he clearly wins. I mean, a judge still scores it for uh, Bohozo. So, you know, I really want nothing to do with this fight. I'm going a, I'm to a take Valante just because he's the underdog. And he, uh, I mean, Alvi's simple. I mean, just don't get knocked out. But the thing is, Valante's not that smart. And he might go out there and get knocked out. And he might lose a decision, too. Like, I wouldn't be shocked. But uh, Alvi's not a reliable guy, in my opinion. Alvi's the type of guy you're going to be yelling at the screen, pull the trigger, pull the trigger, pull the trigger. And he's going to be uh, backing up with his back into that fence looking for one shot. So you're banking on a knockout there, in my opinion. But uh, nothing would surprise me in that fight. Damn, bro, I thought you were about to go out here and pick Alvi. But listen, man, the game plan to beat Alvi, the blueprint's been laid since his UFC debut against Tom Watson. All you got to do is is kick this guy in the leg for three straight rounds and run away. I, even my fucking boy Talis pulled off that game plan last year against uh, Sam Alvey. Even that guy Elias, who they buried on the prelims, who could barely beat Trevor Smith, was able to game plan and beat Sam Alvey. So, you know, with this meathead John Volante, it's like, John, just don't do something stupid and you can win this fight. If he approaches this how he approached Corey Anderson, which is just leg kick him to death, over and over again, avoid the big bombs. I mean, he should be able to take a decision here. It's just I don't trust him to not get caught by that straight left and go down because you know my boy Volante loves getting caught and going down. So, you know, I, I think that Jean Volante is going to be on the game plan. He's going to leg kick him. It's going to look like, wow, Jean Volante is about to win this decision. And then, boom, he gets caught with the left hand and he goes down and uh, no one's going to be surprised. So I'm going to go with Sam Alvey by knockout after losing the entire fight. Now, next up in the featherweight division, and holy shit, this is a hell of a matchup, dude. We got Julio Arce. He's minus 210. The comeback on Daniel Tamor. 
is plus 175. Now, I kind of thought it should have been lined a little bit closer. I don't know what your opinion on the line is, but uh, go ahead, man. What do you think about this fight? Um, you know, Arce looked good against Ige. You know, personally, I wasn't convinced that Ige is going to hang around in the UFC. You know, um, I think he's a tough guy. But, you know, that was a nice, it was a nice performance, you know. The second Ige got cracked, I mean, he resorted to just, you know, basic ankle diving, and it was easy to time and slip and rip that guy. Now, Tamor, you know, a lot of people would, you know, you could look at his fight with uh, Henry in two ways. You could say, oh, man, you know. He got compete made. He got uh, Henry made him quit. He got full mounted. He got smashed on. Or you could pay attention to what he did in the first round because the first round was arguably 10-8 in my opinion. And I mean, Tamor's a serious K1 striker. He's 38 and two, 28 knockouts. And I mean, he uh, floored Danny Henry several times, and we see what Danny Henry's been on lately. So uh, you know, I think it was more of a case of the guy's five five, and he's fighting at 155 pounds, <laughs> and you know now, <laughs> now, and he's fighting a big uh, a big guy. So. You know, Arce is also a big guy. And Arce is, you know, he's been having his performances. But I actually think Tamor is better than both the guys he fought in uh, Petty's and um, in Ige. And I think uh, we're going to there's a possibility that we see a different Tamor, 10 pounds lighter. You know, he got 50K in that fight. He got 50K, a chance to chill out, you know, assess things. Who knows how he's going to be 10 pounds lighter because the guy's got serious power. Pay for a nutritionist. Exactly. He's got serious power. It ain't no, like... Like some of these other K1 strikers like Shane Campbell or, you know, uh, Felipe Silva or something like that. It's like serious bombs. And I mean, and we see how uh, Tamar, his big bro Tamar uh, is. So I think uh, Arce needs to be very careful on the return shots in this fight. But I think if he plays it smart, I still think he has a big size advantage. But uh, I might actually go with Tamar for the upset, man. I think he is going to catch him at some point. I think, uh, you know, Arce is going to have trouble with the the small guy in there, you know, fighting, uh, punching down is very hard to do. We saw that with my boy, uh, Tractor and, uh, Zach Cummings the other day, you know, when a 6-1 guy's fighting a, a little midget, you know, so I'm gonna take, uh, Tamor in the upset by, uh, knockout, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me if it went the other way, but I'm gonna take Tamor. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny when the five foot six former lightweight was out there beating the six foot one former 205-er, you know what I'm saying? But as far as this is concerned, I think that if you go and you watch Daniel Tamor versus Danny Henry and you can't tell that that's a fucking lightweight versus a bantamweight, you need to get your eyes checked. You know what I'm saying? It was it was pretty evident that he was the much smaller man in there. And you saw what he did to him that first round? Bro, some of those strikes, I was like, this is a real striker right here. This ain't, you know, an MMA striker. This is an actual, a real kickboxer. This is a guy... That that competed in stand-up fights only, and he's got all the techniques down, the leg kicks, the teep, the, the straight punches, <laughs> the spins, everything, the head movement, the tie clinch. It's just that people don't know about my boy Danny Henry. Danny Henry is one of these tall, long workmen. He's the kind of guy that'll take that ass whooping up front, and then you start to gas out because you threw everything you had at him, and then he'll go out there and finish you. And, you know, in his fight with Hakeem Duadu, he didn't even have to do all that. He just went out there and caught him right away. So I, I think that kind of gives credit to the level that Daniel Tamor is on because Daniel, as far as I'm concerned, he's a bantamweight. Let's be honest here. He's fighting at featherweight here, but he's a bantamweight. He was fighting at lightweight. He 10-8s. Danny Henry that first round, then, uh, you know, he had nothing left, uh, you know, at about the mid midpoint of the second round, and the larger man took over. I don't feel like this is a similar case, even though Julio Arce has had similar type performances, like against Peter Petty's, where Petty's was teeing off on him, and then, uh, you know, Julio Arce weathered that storm, and then he put Petty's away, but we, if you know about Peter Petty's, I mean, 
I know people that train at that gym. I know his coaches. They've told me in the past, he's the most talented kid in the room, but there's something mental with the guy. So there was something mental with him, and he quit. And as far as uh, Dan Ige is concerned, Dan Ige was doing pretty good with the grappling. This is a completely different matchup because Daniel Timor ain't a grappler like Ige. But Ige got caught one time, and it seemed like he didn't know where he was anymore. He just went on autopilot, and he got the shit beaten out of him. With Daniel Timor, he's going to actually come out here and throw some serious strikes at Julio Arce. And I feel like him dropping a weight class is actually going to aid his cardio here. And I don't think he's going to have that adrenaline dump. I don't think he's going to suddenly stop fighting, you know, midway through the second and third round. I think this has a chance to be a war. I also think this has the chance to be a knockout. I think Daniel Timor is the faster guy, the more technical guy. It's just, you know, don't, don't gas out in that second and third round. I think he's got this. I actually think Daniel's got a chance to go out here and knock out Julio Arce. So... I'm going to go with Daniel for the upset. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Jake Ellenberger. He's minus 190. The comeback on Ben Saunders is plus 165. Now, Shaq, this is a matchup between the guy that can't take a punch versus the guy that's scared to throw a punch. Who you got? You know, it's surprising to see all that uh, confidence on Ellenberger. You know, I, I get it. You know, you think Ben Saunders has no chin and that he can't take a punch. And I mean, his last few fights, you know, with Sabata, he got knocked out quick uh, uh, when he fought uh, Alan Juban literally a few months ago. And he, he, he is coming back too soon. But the thing is to trust Jake Ellenberger in the spot. I mean, he might he might accidentally knock him out, Dan. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, it might be going Saunders' way and then Jake might just land a punch because he still does hit hard. And he uh, might... Uh, accidentally knock him out but i'll tell you right now ben saunders has way more heart than uh jake ellenberger he has way more cardio than uh jake ellenberger and i think he's longer he's got the teeps of the body the the knees and the clinch it just comes down to if he can stay conscious if he can stay conscious i got ben saunders in this fight actually ben jake ellenberger it doesn't take much for him to quit even the fight that he won against matt brown if you really watch that fight you know he uh matt brown gets dropped early but look what was happening after that Matt Brown was literally on the verge of knocking him out. You just can't take a body shot. <laughs> like, what happened in the Jorge fight? The second things didn't go his way. What happened? He quit. Mike Perry, he just got killed. I mean, the guy's a habitual literally. quitter. When things don't go his way, he looks for a way out. Now, I know he's been losing a, you know, great competition, but... The, the, the great longer, competition like Tarek Safadine. The longer, the longer and longer he's he's a former uh, strike force champion. <laughs> you know, uh, the the longer and longer you go, these things just get worse and worse. I think this fight just comes down to if Saunders can stay up. If Saunders can stay up, I think he's going to win this fight. You saw how how much it took Alan Jaban to actually get him down. I mean, we had a bet on the under two and a half in that fight, and we were very nervous. We wanted uh we wanted Ben to go down sooner, and you know eventually he did. But uh, you saw Jaban <laughs> throws on a frequent basis. Uh, Ellenberger has a very low activity rate, so I'm gonna go with Saunders on this one. Yeah, look, friends don't let friends bet on Jake Ellenberger, especially in 2018. I mean, look, he's four and eight in his last 12 fights, and uh, the guy simply doesn't want to be in there. The only issue is, you know, power is the last thing to go. So he still does have that one hitter quitter. It's just that he rarely ever lets it go. He's too scared to throw a punch, but. If he does land clean on Ben Saunders, you know, Ben Saunders has been knocked out a million times. So don't be surprised if he knocks out Ben Saunders. That being said, if he doesn't knock out Ben Saunders, he's losing this fight all fucking day. Whether it's a decision, a submission, or a knockout. Because I feel like the volume is going to be controlled by Ben Saunders. It's just, don't go down, Ben. As long as you don't go down, you're going to win this fight. Jake doesn't want it as much as Ben. I mean, I mean, we've, you, you guys that have been listening to Half the Battle already know all the stories we've told about Jake, you know. 
yes, Jake, you know, back from the Edmund days. I mean, there's a guy that's, that sought out Edmund for like, help. Bro, you understand what I'm saying? This guy's head is so messed up. Like, you know, when he walks up to the octagon, his eyes are closed and he's talking to himself. You know, he's a nice guy, but I mean... What about that Rory fight? What happened when What happened when he fought Tarek Safadine? And you remember when he punched Tarek Safadine and Tarek Safadine looked off and had no idea where he was and Jake didn't throw? And Rafael Cordero turned around and put his head down and was just like... They're like, are you serious, Jake? Like, really? And now, you know, Jake, I believe he's training at King's MMA. No, he's training with TJ... Uh... TJ, uh, TJ's gym. TJ Dillashaw? Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. That's good he's not at King's MMA because I, 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 I heard he was getting knocked out every week at King's MMA. So I'm glad that he uh, left that environment. That's not a place for him. That's a place for a guy like Kelvin Gastelum and Sean Strickland, but not a place for a guy like Jake Ellenberger. But uh, listen, man, I mean, he's got to close his eyes, throw one of those big bombs, and hope to knock Ben Saunders out because if he uses his wrestling and tries to take Ben Saunders down, Ben Saunders, he's got that rubber game. He's going to start throwing big elbows from bottom. So the volume is going to accumulate for Ben Saunders. He's going to win this fight. And when we uh, had that under two and a half in the Juban Saunders fight, Juban had to fucking actually put in some effort to put down uh, Ben Saunders. You know what I'm saying? And these guys that knock him out, like Douglas Lima, they don't just knock him out with the first punch. They have to actually accumulate and then knock him out. And Jake simply doesn't have that volume. So I'm going to go uh, with Ben Saunders to break uh, Yes Jake Ellenberger. Now next up in the heavyweight division, we got Walt Harris. He's minus 300. The comeback on Daniel Spitz is plus 250. Now, both these guys have losses to Mark Godbeer. I know one's controversial, one's a DQ. But hey, on paper, you know what it is. So who you got in this matchup? Oh, man, it's a good fight. You know, Harris definitely has the cleaner technique. He's more athletic, but don't sleep on Spitz's athleticism. He's also a uh, former Division I football player. And, uh, you know, Spitz is 6'7". You know, they call him uh, Daddy Long Legs for a reason. You know what I'm saying? I like his movement. You know, he's a little wannabe uh, heavyweight Dom Cruz. You know, he kind of reminds me of uh, when Travis used to fight at heavyweight back when he was training with Dom. You know what I'm saying? All that movement. For those that... Don't know. We're talking about like the Travis that knocked yeah, yeah. out Josh Barnett. Yeah, I'm talking and... about the Travis that trained at Alliance when he was training when he fought Stefan Struve and you know um, pre, James pre Ronda Travis. You know what I'm saying, James <laughs> McSweeney. You know that Travis Brown when when he was supposed to be the future of the heavyweight division. Pre domestic abuse Travis. <laughs> pre Edmund Travis. You know what I'm saying. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, Spitz is a. It's interesting to see this line because Walt's ten and seven. Walt, Walt loses a lot of fights. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Walt. Um, I've seen Walt quit before. I've seen Walt get hit behind the ear against a 205er and take a knee. You know what I'm saying? Now I said I, I do think he has the cleaner technique, but you know I'm not sure Spitz is ready for this level quite yet. But it would not shock me in the slightest if uh, so this is a dog or pass situation, 100%. I would not uh, lay minus 300 on Walt Harris in any situation unless he was fighting, you know, uh, you know, a NASCAR or, or a French guy or something. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Harris in here, but uh, I'm kind of feeling a little upset, room possibly. You know, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I, I think if my boy Daniel Spitz can keep up that footwork for three straight rounds, that not only does he have the potential to beat Walt Harris, I actually think he's got the potential to go out there and win a lot of UFC heavyweight fights, but that's contingent on him being able to keep that footwork up for three straight rounds. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Because in that fight with Godbeer, which, let's be honest, he took it coming off the couch on less than a week short notice, he could only keep that movement up for about a minute or two, and then he gassed out. He took his ass whooping like a man. He didn't quit. He comes back out there against Anthony Hamilton, puts Anthony Hamilton away in 20 seconds, exactly how I you're supposed to. I couldn't do that. My boy Adam Waitrick that just uh uh 
did he Uma plot him or Gogo plot him? He Uma plotted him. You know what I'm saying? He couldn't do that. So uh, this all comes down to, in my opinion, now he's got this full training camp. Can Spitz keep up that footwork for three straight rounds? If he if he does, I think he goes out here and he knocks out Walt Harris. But if he doesn't, and he, uh, you know what I'm saying, he starts to gas out. Walt Walt hits like a truck. Let's be honest. Walt is a very dangerous guy. It's just Walt is a habitual underperformer. Walt's like the Courtney Casey of heavyweight. <laughs> the cannoneer of heavyweight, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go with my boy Daniel Spitz for the upset. Co-main event of the evening, we got Gregor the Gift Gillespie's minus 475. The comeback on Vince from Hell Pichel is plus 380. Now, you know we fuck with my boy Vince Pichel from Tough 15, you know, one of the best seasons of the Ultimate Fighter. Great guy. But Gregor Gillespie, I'll tell you what, for a prospect at 155 pounds, I mean, the kid's the, the real deal. He's the total package. I mean, that drive on those takedowns. For those that don't know, Gregor Gillespie is a guy that competed in the finals in wrestling against Jordan, Jordan Burroughs. One doesn't simply compete in the finals against Jordan Burroughs. And not to mention, he's a Golden Gloves boxer, too. He can knock people out. Gregor Gillespie is the real deal. You think he's going to come out here as a minus 475 uh, favorite and take care of the very, very tough Vince Pichel? Yeah, you know, I thought Pichel lost his last fight, to be honest, against uh, Joaquin Silva. You know, he congrats to him for, you know, getting his hand raised. But, you know, I thought it should have went the other way. Uh, you know, Gillespie gave a lot of people a scare. You know, he had that easy fight with Gonzalez. And, you know, Gonzalez is a 6-2, and Gonzalez has uh, been getting a lot better. So, you know, still at the end of the day, Gregor beat his ass. But, you know, in this fight, I actually think it's going to play out a lot closer than the line indicates. I think Bichel, even though he's older, I think he's younger in the fight years because he had that such a long layoff before the uh, Damian Brown fight. And, you know, Bichel does good, you know, moving backwards. I just think that ultimately Gregor will be able to bail himself out in uh, wrestling situations if things got hairy on the feet. I just think the drive will be too much, but I actually think things on the feet will be going Pachel's way just with the movement, the craftiness, the way he can strike moving backwards. And he's got power on his hands too. I mean, this is a guy that uh, not got like most of his wins are by knockout besides like one or two. So, you know, uh, I'm going to go with Gillespie here just by uh, tie up, you know, typical D1 wrestler performance. But, uh, uh, I think the line's off, and I think Pichel will actually like win around possibly. You know, I actually disagree, man. I don't think the line's off. I think it's going to be a very dominant performance by Gregor Gillespie. Look, I got a lot of respect for Vince Pichel, as you guys already heard. Great guy, great fighter. But I think this kid, Gregor Gillespie, I think he's on something else, man. I think that uh, his wrestling, obviously, I don't have to mention that. His boxing is on point. But more important, more importantly than that, he's a winner. The kid knows how to win. He's a pro winner. He knows how to get the job done. He knows how to find a way to win. And that's one of the most important aspects of any fighter that you're going to bet on. Now, unfortunately, he's minus 475. He's out of range. But I do expect a dominant performance by uh, by Gregor Gillespie, whether it's a 30-27, a 30-26, possibly even a finish. I think I think the kid's that good. I think you got to look out for him. And I think he's a potential uh, top 15 guy. Not right now but in the future. So definitely keep your eyes out for a guy like Gregor Gillespie, and I think Vince Pichel will rebound really well after uh, he takes this setback. Now, main event of the evening. Here we go, man. Jimmy Rivera, or as Marlon likes to say, Jimmy Rivera. He's minus 115. The comeback on Marlon Morais is minus 105. Now, it opened like minus 190, Jimmy. A lot of action came in on Marlon. Now it's a pick 'em. Five-round main event. Who you got? 
Yeah, you know, I'm going to go with Rivera in this one. I think he's a little bit too fast for Marlon. You know, I think Marlon's had a nice little nice little last two fights at 135, but I thought that Dotson fight could have won either way. He got dropped twice in that fight. He got wobbled twice against Asun Sao in a fight that he lost. And uh, because he got caught, you know, playing that hand, he fell into that Asun Sao trap. You know, you play that point game with Asun Sao, don't be shocked when you lose a split. You know, Aljamain... Okay, yeah, he knocked out Aljamain. You know, congrats, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I think Jimmy's just way too fast. You know, Jimmy does have a cardio issue, but I actually think he will overwhelm Marlon early. I think Marlon's, I think it's a big speed (laughs) advantage for Jimmy Rivera. But, you know, if this fight did hit the third, fourth, and fifth rounds, I'm not going to lie. You know, Jimmy has uh, been dropped in those late rounds. He got dropped by Thomas Almeida. He got dropped by Yuri Alcantara. You know, the Faber fight was clean. But, uh, you know, uh, his recovery recovery, uh, ability is... Second to none, man. When he gets dropped, his legs are popping right back up and he's awake. So, you know, I think Jimmy's going to overwhelm him early. I think he's got better punches. I think uh, he's going to beat Marlon to the punch. I think Marlon has better kicks. But don't sleep on Jimmy's kicks either because we saw what he did to Faber's legs. But, uh, you know, I give a slight edge to Marlon in the kicking department. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if that slow, methodical pace of Marlon could uh, prevail him in the later rounds. But I think Jimmy's going to beat him in the early rounds. I think there's a massive speed advantage early on for Jimmy Rivera, especially in the hands. And I don't think Jimmy's the kind of guy to go kick for kick with someone. I mean, look, when you're fighting Faber, the the blueprint's been laid out for years on how to beat that guy. Just leg kick him like Jose Aldo did. So that's exactly what Jimmy did. Jimmy's a very smart guy. You don't just go 21-1 and on a 20-fight win streak unless you're a very smart guy. I've been saying for a long guy, this is a future world champion, so I'm not going to stop here. Look, I got a lot of respect for Marlon Moraes. He can head kick the fuck out of dudes. I mean, you've seen him knock plenty of people out. You've seen him go the five-round distance. I know people are going to conveniently forget about that time when uh, Josh Hill uh, possibly beat him by decision. But guess what? They rematched, and he went out there, and he knocked out Josh Hill. So we'll kind of pretend that never happened, right, Shaq? But listen, man, I I think Marlon is an incredible fighter. I think he's going to rebound. I just think he's too slow. For Jimmy Rivera. Now, here's where I'm concerned because bo- both of them are, you know, a bit chinny. You know, Jimmy's been dropped in a lot of his fights, but people forget about those times when uh, Marlon Moraes, not just against John Dotson, what about back in those basements in Brazil? You know what I'm saying? When he was getting dropped over over in those fights, man. So, Mar- Josh Hill. <laughs> or Josh Hill, you know what I'm saying? Marlon's been getting dropped for a long time. So, what I think is going to happen is I actually think Jimmy can get him out of there in the first two rounds. However, if it, if it comes down to this third and fourth round and they start settling into a more methodical fight and Marlon can get his kicking distance, that's when Marlon can start to have some success on a guy like Jimmy Rivera who has been you know, caught in all of his fights. Granted, his recoverability is second to none. It's unbelievable. I mean, the guy, he, you knock him down, he pops right back up. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Rivera. It's a very dangerous fight because you got to show all the respect in the world to a guy like Marlon. But I think Jimmy Rivera goes out here and beats him, gets his title shot. And don't be surprised uh, when Jimmy Rivera becomes a, a UFC world champion. Now, uh, Shad, before we hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute, just got to remind him, another max bet this Friday, UFC Utica. is going to get the job done. But this time, big, big payout on this max bet. And, uh, man, we've just been undefeated on the consensus max bets this entire year. Yeah, and it's going to, you know, we're going to keep it rolling this uh, Friday in, in UFC uh, Utica. You're going to get the job done. Like we said, Max Best Season, I don't even have to say the numbers. I mean, I'm a man of my word. When we say it's Max Best Season, it's a, it's easy money on the board. We get the job done. So uh, sign up today. 
you know, uh, and this is the right time to sign up because we got a lot of easy matchups coming up, you know what I'm saying, in Singapore, L.A., uh, pretty much every card, UFC 225 coming up in Chicago, the pay-per-view, so things are just... Don't, uh, don't forget about Boise now. And Boise, you know, Boise's probably the biggest night, you know, in history, so, you know, we got a lot of easy money fights coming up, and when we say max bet season, it's max bet season. That's right, so go to bestfightpicks.com, go to maxbetseason.com, and uh, we'll hear from you soon. Now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, how's it going, man? I'm good, man. Ready to keep this money train rolling. Oh, yeah. You already know the deal. Uh, I'm definitely uh, definitely got the same goal as you. And look, this main event's <laughs> unbelievable. Winner's probably getting a title shot. You got Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Marais. I'm looking on DraftKings. You see the 8,200 for Jimmy. And you see... Uh, Basically, uh, eight thousand for for Mariah, so it's only uh, two hundred dollars more for Jimmy. What do you think about uh, how they set that line? I, I like it actually. Uh, I think it was kind of uh, along the lines of when the odds, what the odds were when they came out with these salaries. Uh, but I think I am picking Rivera to win this. So it's tough, though. It's tough. I, I want both of them, of course, in in different lineups. You could stack this one in cash, but with five rounds, I just have a hard time seeing the winner of this not paying off their price tag. So whoever you like, I think, needs to be in your lineup. Um, if I was making one lineup, I would go ahead and just take Rivera. But I'm not going to make just one lineup. I'm going to have multiple lineups, so I'll have both of these guys, but I'll have more Rivera than uh, Marias. So Gregor Gillespie, he's back. He's taking on Vince Pichel. Look, I think Vince Pichel is a super tough and underrated guy. But with Gregor, we might be looking at the future. You know, I'm not going to say he's a future world champion yet, but I will say he's a future top 15 guy. You wrestle in the finals against Jordan Burroughs. That's all I got to say. Plus, you know, we've seen him knock dudes out as well. A lot of people think that the line should be closer. I disagree. I got Gillespie here, but here's my question. 9,500. Is he going to cover that salary? Uh, he's never scored less than 100. So, yeah, I think he could. Uh, I like I like picking uh, Pichel most of the time. I think I've been on him the last three or four fights. But this is a tough one to pick him with. I think Gillespie could be the real deal. Uh, his wrestling is no doubt legit, maybe the best in the division. So if, if he wants to use his wrestling, it's going to work out for him, and he could take it to the ground probably anytime he wants. Uh, but it, it looks like he has kind of fallen in love with the striking, so maybe he's going to want to keep this standing up, test his game there, uh, and then maybe take it to the ground if he gets in trouble. But I think he has so many more ways to win where – He's my pick here. Uh, I don't hate uh, Pichelle punts, maybe, if you're trying to save some salary. But if I was making one lineup, there's probably a pretty good chance Gillespie would make it. So, Walt Harris versus Daniel Spitz. It's a heavyweight matchup. And you know there's always a chance that one of these guys is going to win by knockout. Now, Walt Harris, I mean, sometimes he devastates guys and other times he drops the ball. With Spitz, we don't know enough about him. But he's 6,900. So, you put them in your in your lineup, and then you can afford some of the bigger favorites. It's just a matter of, you know, are you willing to take that risk here? Yeah, I mean, it could be. It's a, I probably like this punt more than I like Pichel, um, mainly because the fight doesn't go to decision is minus 380. So I would really want my investment there um, on both sides. This is a good fight to target no matter who you like uh, because it should be a knockout. And I'm thinking Wal Harris is probably the guy that's going to do it. So I want more of him, but man, I mean, he's he's nothing special. And Spitz is tall and lanky. Maybe he could get it done. So I'll have a, a couple shares of Spitz, but I like Harris a good bit in this one. So Ellenberger and Saunders are fighting, and as long as these two 
don't just stare at each other. There's a chance that someone's going to go down. I know a lot of people are very high on Ellenberger, and I just don't understand it, Kyle. And Saunders just got killed recently. But I do think that Saunders has a chance here because Ellenberger refuses to throw most of the time. So Saunders is going to be my sneaky, uh, one of my sneaky little underdogs on my lineup. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? Uh, see, man, I, I really would like to fade this fight, but – I don't think you can because fight doesn't go to decision is minus 245, and that's another pretty pretty big favorite for it to not go to decision. So somebody's going to score high here. Uh, I think I would want to save money, though, on this one and go with the taller guys, take Saunders, uh, just because I think he has more ways to win because he could get the submission or possibly a knockout. But he could also go out there and get zero points, be knocked out in the first round. So this is really a tough fight to call. It's like it's ugly putting into your lineups. But I think it almost has to be there. So this, for me, would be more of a last pick in my lineup. If I have enough to fit Saunders, I'll throw him in. But if I got money to spend, I'll go ahead and put Ellenberger. But Saunders, uh, I think he's my pick here as the dog. i got to save money somewhere. A featherweight fight I'm really looking forward to is Julio Arce versus Daniel Tamor. Arce has looked super impressive in the UFC and on Contender Series. And if you watch Daniel Tamor versus Danny Henry, you already know the kind of powerhouse Daniel Tamor is. Now he's dropping a weight class. I like the I like the price tag. What's your opinion on the matchup? Uh, I'm leaning Arce. I'm not fully done with my film on this one yet, so I'm not I'm not going to lock in my pick here. But I do like Arce. I'm just not sure how much I like him on DraftKings. Um, he won his first fight, uh, but he only scored 68 points, and now he's 8,800. So I want at least 88 points if he's going to win this one to be in my lineup. Uh, so I'm just not really sure with the film, the little film I've done so far this week if I, if I really want to trust him there. But it could happen. He is my pick to win. Uh, I do think Taymor's a savage, though. He could go out there and get a first-round finish. So I don't know. i got to do some more work on this one right now. The pick is Arce, but it could be a, a decent spot either way. Uh, so if you're, if you're liking Taymor here, he could be a good GPP play. So Bilal Muhammad, he's taking on the newcomer. And look, they got Bilal Muhammad 9,400. I obviously favor him to win. But to cover a 9,400 price tag, you better come out here and knock the guy out. His last three wins are by uh, decision. Do you, do you have an opinion on this one? Uh, yeah, I think he should win. Uh, he could be. I think he's a better cash play than a GPP play because I'm pretty confident he gets the job done. So you can just go ahead and lock in one of your wins for cash. But I'm not confident he's getting a 94 out of his $9,400 price tag. So I don't really want a whole lot of them in GPPs. He could get that done. I would just rather pay the extra $100 and go to Gillespie personally. Uh, but I do think cash is safe. And if you need to save that 100 bucks in cash, that's fine. And last but not least, Desmond the Predator Green. He's taking on Glayson Tebow. Now, I know you saw what happened in Glayson Tebow's last fight. Now, what I'm curious about is that an indicator of things to come? Was it just credit to Islam? Because with Des Green being uh, 9000 here, he better have a similar result if he wants to cover that that uh, price tag, my man. Yeah, man, 9000 is pretty is pretty high. So I think he would need the knockout as well. I don't really see him getting there with wrestling. Uh, but, I mean, I can see why he's the favorite. T-Bout could be done, especially after that uh, USADA suspension and then the way he got knocked out in his last fight. Uh, I don't know, man. I just think this could be a lot of recency biasness where people are just fading T-Bow because of the knockout. They're like, oh, I didn't see him getting knocked out, and he did, so he's probably done. Um, I'm not willing to say that yet, so I might have a couple shares of them. I think I might even be more interested in T-Bow than I am Green just because of their price tags. Man, I have a hard time seeing Green getting more than 90 points, but if T-Bow wins, he should be able to pay off his uh, 
what is it, 7,200. So, I mean, it's probably going to be a fade fight for me, but I'd say Dogger Fest. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Always appreciate it, my man. Uh, we're going to be talking next week. I believe for uh, – is it finally time for Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero? It is, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to 225. We've had some small contests over on DraftKings, so I expect him to raise them on that one and have some pretty big prizes. Definitely follow this man at Big Marley 3. Add him on DraftKings at, uh, at Big Marley 3 as well. If you challenge him, uh, watch out. And uh, Kyle, we'll speak soon, man. Sounds good, man. Good luck this weekend. Likewise, man. Take care. And that's why Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. I mean, we're over here giving the bets, and my man Kyle Marley's killing it with the DraftKings. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Utica? My fight to watch is going to be Jake Ellenberger versus Ben Saunders. You know, I'm interested to see see what happens in that fight. You know, I'm interested to see if... uh, if Ellenberger just to touch him one time on the chin, is the fight going to be over? Because I really think if Saunders can stay conscious, the teeps of the body are going to pay off here and uh, the things I mentioned earlier. So that's the fight I want to see. And we know Ben Saunders is coming off that fight of the night. And, uh, you know, it's always fun seeing uh, Yes Jay quit. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, man. <laughs> Definitely one I'll be tuning in for. I mean, the fight to watch is Gregor Gillespie versus Vince Pichel. I mean, you look at the wrestling credentials of a guy like Gregor Gillespie, you see his development in MMA. Now he's got a very tough matchup with Vince Pichel. I want to know if he's going to come out here and they're going to have a back and forth war if he's going to absolutely mop the floor with him so that makes me very intrigued and vince has a chance to come out here and get a massive upset and immediately put his name in the headlines so for that reason gregor versus vince is my fight to watch so Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for ufc utica now my fighter to watch is going to be jimmy altera rivera we've said we put a lot of expectations on this guy since his debut and now he's uh he's been living up to those expectations and you know with another win he's one win away from a uh well he's going to get a title shot if he can win this fight and uh it's going to be great to see you know if he can get the get his hand raised here which he is uh which he is known for he gets his hand raised a lot um I mean, now you got a real bantamweight star on the East Coast right there. You know what I'm saying? The guy's literally beating everyone he's fought. The one lo- He's really undefeated. The one loss is, you know, a complete robbery. So Jimmy Rivera is my fighter to watch. And my fighter to watch is the new guy, Nathaniel Wood. Look, he's coming into the UFC with a lot of hype. He's been absolutely knocking out everybody he's fighting over there in Cage Warriors. And I don't know if you've seen some of these knockouts, Shaq, but uh, I'm talking about out-cold, stiff, left-hook KOs. They're giving him a stand-up battle with Johnny Edwards. You know my boy Johnny Eduardo will go toe-to-toe with anyone. Nathaniel Woods, the young up-and-comer. And he's going to face a, a Nova Onyao striker in his UFC debut on Fight Pass. And I cannot wait to see uh, what Nathaniel Woods all about. So for that reason, uh, he is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Friday. UFC Utica. Jimmy Rivera versus Marlon Marais. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow our official Instagram at Best Fight Picks Official. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews on iTunes. Make sure you sign up this week at BestFightPicks.com for our max bet because it's always max bet season. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.